everybody, and welcome to the Woody Dancing Club podcast. I am Maddie, here with... Courtney, hello, and today we are going to be brand new book, Secretly Yours, that came out on February 7th, but today is February 11th. Yes, and at the time of you seeing this, I think it's February 13th, so this is also our Valentine's Day episode. Woo! Um, next week we actually did Valentine's Day, so you'll see in the next episode, uh, we were together in person and we exchanged gifts and it was a nice little Valentine's Day, you know, event. Um, yeah. Lots of love happening. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but overall, uh, this week we have to do a couple of, uh, preliminary things. First, in our last episode, we said that this week we would be reading The Wedding Crasher. That is an issue on my behalf that I am not good at reading calendars. Uh, (laughs) So Courtney and I have planned out pretty much every book that we're going to read up until mid-March. And we have already planned, or we had already planned to do this one with like a super quick turnaround time because it's brand new and we wanted to get it out so that people who might be interested in it or like are really like thinking about this book can find other people who are talking about this book at the same time. Um, so we plan on doing that one for this this episode that you're watching. But last week, or not last week, the week before, I don't know what I was thinking when I was like, oh, you know, we're, we're going to be in Arizona next week. No, we were... We were in Arizona last week, but you won't see that episode until next week because this Later. episode, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and to be fair to Maddie, I text her every week and I'm like, wait, what book are we reading every week? So it's not like I have it super together. <laughs> yeah. It happens. The thing is, is that I created the calendar, so I should know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I spend, I spend, like, I don't know, probably 45 minutes a week looking at our calendar and making sure that I'm, like, not in one day, like, over the course of the week, making sure that everything is all lined up. So, yeah. You just sit there for 45 <laughs> Yeah, I just sit there for 45 minutes. Thanks for look- clarifying that it wasn't on one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh- <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Courtney and I are doing Secretly Yours today. Uh, it, it is a book and it is my duty this week to give you the synopsis of this book. And that is what I'll be doing next. So (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me today. I mean, I know what's wrong with me, but I don't know what's wrong with me, you know? So yeah. This week, we read Secretly Yours by Tessa Bailey. This is the first Tessa Bailey book that I have ever read. And I know that Courtney is a big Tessa Bailey fan, generally. Uh, Side note, Courtney, Tessa Bailey has a series about cops. Uh, Well, I have read, obviously, um, My Killer Vacation. Right. I don't know if that... uh, And I have read The Crab Fisherman one, to be fair. I really liked It Happened One Summer, but I didn't like Hook, Line, Sinker. Mm-hmm. So there are some Tessa Bailey books where I'm like, take it or leave it. Um, but I don't think you well, I guess we'll have to delve into the cop one. I think that there are some people who should be reading that one. <laughs> and I think that that would be a great episode to have those people on. Anyway, so this is my first uh my first experience with Tessa Bailey. So I'm not super familiar with her work. This is the first one. I, I just said that like three times. 
So Secretly Yours is about Hallie. She is 29 years old. She's a gardener. She lives in Napa, California. So Napa okay. holds a very special place in my heart. I went there a couple summer summers ago with my grandparents. I used to go there a lot when I was a kid because my family lives in the Bay Area. And so for summertime, whenever it was really hot, we would just like drive up there and it was like a nice little getaway from the warmer temperatures in the Bay. But like I said, this book takes place in Napa and Hallie is just she's just a rootin' tootin' girl, you know. She's she's very into her dogs and gardening and she keeps to herself. However, she has one really quirky thing about her. Eh, um, and that is that she has been in love with the same guy for 15 years and he doesn't even know. He has no idea. For 15 years ago, she went to a party at the love interest's house. Ju his name is Julian, by the way. Um, and they met, they had a little, a little smooch in the garden, and then that was it. And then for almost, 15 almost <clears throat> smooch, but they didn't even kiss, they didn't. No, he almost kissed her. I thought they kissed. One of us has this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where it happened in the book, <laughs> I don't even know how to fact and it check this. It hasn't been out long enough for me to Google it either, I don't think. Whatever. They may or may they not may have kissed. They may or may not have kissed in the garden. We're splitting hairs here. Um, and he, he, he goes his own way. Um, she goes her own way. She is a freshman in high school when that happens, and he is a senior. Ugh. And I think that that kind of is just the beginning of her infatuation. Because then, for the rest of her 15 years, where she's not in contact with this man... She is watching his lectures online. She is stalking a little creepy, his, just a little his internet presence, and mm -hmm. it's just a little odd. Things start to go a little in the direction that Hallie has secretly been hoping this whole time. When Julian shows back up into Napa, and what is he doing in Napa? He is taking a sabbatical from work so he can write a book because he has anxiety. Now, I don't think that's a spoiler, right? Because that's, like, mentioned in, like, the first 50 pages, how he's, like, an anxious guy. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, like, a big part of his personality. Yeah. So that is, they they run into each other, uh, you know, because she, she decides, she hears that he's coming back into town. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to go over to his house and plant some flowers in his yard so I have to spend time with him. So they, she goes over to his house. She's planting flowers. And he's he's like, oh, I like your flowers. And he's like infatuated with her from the minute he sees her. He's like following her around like a dog, which is ironic because she has three other dogs. And it's going really well for her. She's, she's really enjoying this. Um, and they start bonding a little bit. They start talking it through discussing things but she's like mm, I don't know if he really likes me that much and I really have like all these repressed feelings for him so I'm gonna write him secret admirer letters and that's where the title secretly yours comes from is because she is writing him love letters and she is signing them with secretly yours and that's pretty much the plot of the story um or like the spoiler free version of it is there anything you would like to add to that not particularly. There's lots of grapes involved. Julian has some issues with his family. Uh, 
and Hallie is still grieving the loss of her grandmother. Those are all basic tenets of the book, but those are kind of the internal battles that they're going through, aside from what I would characterize as, like, perhaps bipolar disorder uh, <laughs> on Haley's behalf. Hallie's behalf, she's a little chaotic if she reminded me of my mom who is diagnosed medicated bipolar uh and then crushing anxiety on julian's end so a couple of mental health triggers there i guess but nothing too crazy yeah um overall oh you're right on the back of the book it says will she finally get that smooch confirmed they did not kiss our first section of things that we like to talk about on the podcast is would we recommend this to a fellow reader and i would recommend it i guess i I don't know like i honestly think that i might forget about this book in time because it was just it didn't really you know you know that meme of abby from dance moms when she's like you just didn't stick out to me that was this book. Yeah, the, the, the pyramid yes. or whatever. <laughs> yes, you just okay. didn't stick out to yeah. me. Um, I, didn't, I didn't find it particularly... I mean, I, I found it... I, I liked the nostalgia that I felt reading it because I have personal experience in Napa, but, like, I feel like overall it really wasn't super good. Yeah, I... Okay, so I would recommend this book. Maybe as, like, a summer read. I, I don't know. I just always am in the mindset of school. But, like, um, when you have time to just read something. Not when you're, like... Like, I'm very passionate about reading. I have limited time. So, aside from this podcast, I want to read things that I'm actually going to like. Unless I, it's during the summer when I have, like, time away from school to read. So, like... Not super high up on the list. Also, like I said, I like a lot of other Tessa Bailey books. So comparatively, like ranking, I love um, It Happened One Summer. I also love My Killer Vacation. I would put this one below those two. And then I would put Hook, Blind, Sinker under it. Um, My friend Grace, who I know from law school, she also just read this book and she did not like it um so take that with a grain of salt but I'd say I would recommend it it's just not super duper high up on my list it is a little forgettable it's it's rom-com-y but it's not like earth shattering um I'm gonna be comparing books to things we never got over forever but that book like changed my life (laughs) and this one was just kind of like I guess mediocre in comparison, but it still had like a well thought out storyline, I think. So Yeah, I, I like that I liked what you said about recommending it for summertime because that is how I felt reading this was like this would be a really great book if you are going to a winery or vineyard and you kind of are just like going to relax. This is probably a good option for you to kind of be in that mindset. Uh it is yeah. Like I said, I just found it to be kind of forgettable. I'm sure I will probably actually forget about this book. That's how little of an impact I think it made on me. Um, With the exception of like a part of it that I want to talk about in the spoiler section. But I think think that this is overall, I would not recommend it. I mean, like I I would recommend like Courtney would recommend it uh, for a good summertime romance if you're going to a vineyard or winery. I will say though, 
and I told Maddie this already, I am excited for the next book in this series because I think the setup was really good. Some marriage of convenience, enemies to lovers, forced proximity type of deal. Yes, and the guy is a giant hunk ex-Navy SEAL, which is her type. Literary type. Literary type, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, but no, so I, I do think I have a strong inkling that I will like that book. And I that one's coming out in what, June, July? June 23rd. Okay, quick turnaround. Uh, yeah, I think I have a conspiracy theory that I would like to talk about after our next uh, recommendation, which is would we recommend this to our younger sisters? Honestly, yeah, I don't think it was that bad. I, I mean, like... It was pretty graphic, but overall, I think that those parts of the story are not, like, what stuck out to me, like, with other books. And so I would, yeah, why not? If you want to read it, whatever. And there's only, like, two instances. I So I kind of was divided on this. Like I said before, I have an 18-year-old sister, soon to be 19 next month. Um, and I have a 17-year-old sister. Uh, and so just because, like I've told you guys in the past, my parents are religious, um, I would not recommend this to my 17-year-old sister just because I couldn't in good faith tell her to read smut. Uh, but I would I would recommend this to Cassidy, my, my 18, 19-year-old sister, and not feel bad about it. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, like, it's a little more descriptive than maybe, like, a Hallmark movie you would watch on the television, but same general gist you know so that's kind of where I'm at with it yeah I just I didn't think it was I mean I I did try to do like color coordinate color coordinated uh tabbing and like the hot pink is like the smut parts of the book minimal yeah I mean like don't get me wrong like it's definitely in here but in terms of like comparing this to like what was in freaking twisted love totally yeah Yeah. (laughs) I give it a loose recommendation to my sister I mean I wouldn't like I don't know I probably actually wouldn't be like hey Sienna read this but you know if she was reading it I would be like kind of like how I was with with Beach Read where like if she's reading it I'm not I'm gonna be like okay like it's in there but it's not you're not like calling your parents telling them to confiscate the book yeah exactly (laughs) I would call them as okay. Batman. Excuse me. Dad. <laughs> also, by the way, this is you Diet... Like, are you drunk? <laughs> this is Diet Coke. <laughs> um, I put it in a wine glass because this is, uh, you know, it's about wine and Napa. And so I thought I would be uh, on brand today with the themes of the book. And I have a juice box, which is pre-wine uh but that's because i had low blood sugar right before we started filming this yeah her little glucometer wouldn't shut up okay wait beep 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 i know beep 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 can't turn it off so i wish you could just turn off diabetes (laughs) well i mean so do i (laughs) no but i wish it more that would be nice oh okay i didn't realize it was a competition but you're right you win yeah i know (laughs) Okay, um, so something I want to talk about before we move on to our pillars is that I think Tessa Bailey has a ghostwriter. Because this woman has published 73 books. 
in 10 years. That's a lot. 73 books. That's 7.3 books a year. I feel like she's kind of, like, Penelope Douglas has done that a lot, too. This reminded me a lot. I don't, that's okay. This, for those of you who know who Penelope Douglas is, this reminded me a lot of, like, one of her books. And I listened to her books mostly on audiobook when I'm traveling for work and I have to drive around for a couple hours. But it was just kind of, like, the same vibes. But Penelope Douglas puts out a ton of books every year. Sometimes she writes them with other writers, like B. Keeland. But, like... A lot of these romance writers, like, they've got to have a ghostwriter. I mean, if you look at Sarah J. Mass, she takes forever to pump out these big, big books. That makes sense. But, like, this, and this book isn't huge, but, I mean, like, it's got to take some time to hammer this thing out. And there's just no way that she's dropping them this quickly. I don't know. Yeah, I just, like... I don't know, something's a little off. And then I was reading the Goodreads reviews, and a lot of people said that this book, and obviously I don't have anything to compare it to, but you do, that this book, the quality of this book is, like, significantly, like, a sharp decline from her other books. Mm. Yeah, I can see that, I suppose. I, I mean, the other one's, like... When I finished them, I walked away feeling, like, elated. And this one was just kind of, like, okay. Uh, In terms of, like, I mean, she's obviously a well-versed writer. She's written a lot of books. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Wasn't my favorite by any means. When I say ghostwriting, I don't mean, like, every single book is written by somebody else. I mean, like, no, just, like, some of them 7.3 books a year I can even write one and I've been trying hard (laughs) uh okay and these most of her books are like 350 pages that's a lot that is a lot that's a lot so anywho the next thing Courtney and I like to do is we like to talk about our pillars we have four main pillars that we like to associate with our books uh that we kind of summarize the main general gist of the book and how we felt about the different aspects of the book. We also have a an average rating that we also do. That's also one of the pillars, but it's like the big pillar and then the other ones are like smaller pillars. So our first pillar is the witty banter. I This is also on a rating scale of one to five. Only one to five because 10 is too many and for the witty banter for this book, I gave it a two. I think that since they didn't really have like any witty banter is really good when it's enemies to lovers or like some some sort of like not friends where they're, where they're coming from a place where they're not really good friends. There's got to be some sort of yeah. tension. And, that they're like jokingly or seriously talking yeah. around. Uh, the banter in this book, I said, was good. a two because they just were like friendly. They were just friends, and they didn't really have any banter to their friendship. It was just like 
them talking to one another and it was not witty or anything like that so i gave it a two i felt like there was a couple of parts in the book where they talk and they have like a little bit of banter but it's not really it's it's not really like bantery it's just more like conversation-y but yeah uh i had a similar sentiment i i feel so bad giving it a two because i didn't dislike this book that much but Maddie's absolutely right. There just wasn't like a lot of tension or chemistry in the dialogue between the two characters. And like the the thing is, I don't think this is a dead giveaway. They like they like each other from the beginning of the book. So like there's not like a tension. I mean, like they're both trying to figure out if the other person likes the other one, but the way that they go about like feeling each other out is kind of it, it it's just not what I look for with a, a witty banter conversation. So I would also give it a two, unfortunately. Doesn't mean that I don't think there was some okay dynamics in the book between the love interests, but it just wasn't what I personally look for in that regard. Yeah. And that's why our main pillar, the overall rating, is not an over not a like an average of all of the other pillars. It's how we averagely felt about the book. So just because you don't like one aspect of the book doesn't mean that you don't have to like, not like the entire book. You know what I mean? Right. So the second pillar that we have is the character development. So for me, the character development in this book was strange. Um, <laughs> particularly Julian's character development, I feel like, you know, his, his whole thing is that he has anxiety and that he's like very, like a stressed out person and he's trying to sort of like alleviate his anxieties and work on managing his stress and kind of not being like a perfectionist. Uh, and he does like overcome it, but I feel like... <laughs> I feel like he went from one extreme to the other extreme. <laughs> and I don't know if I like that all that much. I feel like you should want to be kind of in the media in the middle, you know. Um, in terms of Hallie, you know, that they're 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 supposed to be like polar opposites where he's you know super anxious and he he thinks everything th thoroughly and he's you know always has a schedule and he's planned out and Hallie is the opposite. She shows up when she feels like it. She kind of is like living in the moment. She's a free spirit. And I feel like both of them needed to come to the middle. And I felt like Hallie came a little bit more to the middle and then Julian just kept going towards the Hallie side. <laughs> and so that that's kind of how uh, I felt about it. So overall for the number I would give it, I would say a three. <laughs> Okay. I also gave it a three, a little bit different reasoning, right? So there's personal growth throughout the book. That's great. But what I think I struggled with the most with the character development is that the problems that Julian and Hallie are struggling with are like mental health problems, right? So Julian, he's almost like OCD. He's very clearly got some severe anxiety and he's very type A. And, like, it mentions that he goes to therapy and counseling in the book, but, like, 
what really changes him is Hallie. And I just don't think that's, we'll get into that in realism too, but like in terms of character development, I just don't think that's realistic in terms of mental health. Like being an anxious person, having very type A personality doesn't just like get healed by falling in love with someone. Um, and Maddie's very right. He went from like one extreme to like being like, I need to be, and it's okay to be more spontaneous, right? That's what happens throughout the book. He gets distracted from his tight schedule by Hallie, but like, he just kind of does a full 180 without like, I feel like laying enough groundwork in the book for that sort of reaction. Um, and then Hallie's personal growth, I kind of resonated with that. Like, like she literally reminds me of my mom so much when she would go through like manic and depressive phases. Um, and then like she, my mom would start to try and get like her life back on track, get more organized as opposed to just letting like chaos reign. So I resonated personally with that a little bit. I think it was a, a pretty good character development to like realize that you're kind of chaotic seeing the value and like being expressive and creative still but then trying to integrate some structure into your life for the people who rely on you one in her business and in her personal life so that made more sense to me but I just don't think it's realistic for people's mental health issues to just be solved through character development by falling in love with somebody like if you have serious anxiety that follows you into a relationship and the things that help with that are like therapy. So that's my stance. Yeah. Not it. falling in love therapy. <laughs> I actually think sometimes that's the opposite. I, actually, of I think I actually have a note in here where I literally wrote that Hallie needs to go to therapy. She does. Yes. Like desperately. There's one part where she was talking about finding something in the wilds of her house, and that made me laugh. Yeah. I but. I, I agree with what you said. Um, so our next pillar is realism, which we'll talk about now. And for me, I had a... This one is... I felt like... I don't know how I felt about the realism in this book because like there are some like very real things that were talked about in the book like for an example like the fires and they talked about COVID and that sort of stuff and I just felt like maybe it's just because I've been there and so like I feel it more realistically like like the events that's happening in the town, the, you know, new businesses moving in and taking over what used to be like these old buildings and turning them into like mm -hmm. fancy new up and coming places and people being pushed out and stuff like that. But I, I didn't find either the characters relate. I didn't, I found their relationship to be kind of realistic where I felt like, it is, they weren't just like, oh yeah, we both like each other, like the day that they met, which me and Terry, but like, they, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I felt like their relationship was paced well, like the relationship itself, where it's like, okay, we like each other, we don't know that we like each other, that sort of stuff. But uh, overall, I, I don't know, probably a three, I guess. So I don't really know how I feel. I feel very mixed about it. 
I feel mixed about it in a couple regards, and I'm just going to kind of carry over the conversation I was having in our last pillar. I don't think it's realistic to cure mental health problems through solely through relationships with other people. Um, like, that doesn't mean Julian's anxiety disappears throughout the book. It kind of creates some tension. But, like, I don't think it's that that part specifically is realistic. Um, I think the fact that, like, I mean, I'm not saying it's it can't happen but like that she had a crush on him for 15 years and then like they come back together and he's like obsessed with her but he can't remember her that's not realistic like how are you in love with someone at first sight and it's not even your first sight <laughs> of that uh, if you and like i can get Terry, he'll literally say that's what happened because apparently i met him in march that year but I didn't remember it. And so when I went to go meet him, he said, hi, Maddie, it's really good to, to see you again. And I said, I have no idea who you are. The day that <laughs> you guys are the exception, not the rule. No, still. <laughs> um, so I guess I found that part a little unrealistic, which is funny, retrospectively. Um, I also found it really unrealistic. So like we've mentioned, Hallie is a little chaotic. She will like, she'll just, she and she's a, a gardener. And, and so she'll just, people will be like, hey, I would love for you, I would love for you to come garden, landscape my house. And she's like, cool, I'll do it whenever. And they're like, okay. Uh, that's not how businesses are run and how you maintain a client base. Even if it's a small town, like, if if the electrician says he's going to come over and fix something in my apartment at a certain time and he doesn't show up until 8 p.m. at night, I'm going to be pissed. And all the people in town, she would just, like, not show up or show up after the sun had gone down and, like, she just plants things randomly with no plan. I'm like, uh, I don't think that's super realistic. I think that she would not have very strong business if she did that in real life, regardless of COVID or whatever, like... People, especially when they're relying on services for their homes and stuff and they have jobs, rely on people being consistent and showing up when they say they're going to and having like a set schedule. So I thought that was kind of nutty. But mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I'd give it a, a three as well. I, there were, I mean, some realistic points. Like Maddie said, they didn't fall in love instantly. I mean, they had an attraction to each other that they like that came to the surface throughout the book they got to know each other a lot more um and like i do think there's some realism and like having a crush and and stuff like that so it wasn't like a total fantasy land but it is a rom-com so there has to be some level of like unrealistic things happening i also found like everybody like her best friend's reaction to her um like having this crush for 15 years and knowing about it and then like her writing the letters and everything like that like i just felt like that was so unrealistic almost to the point Very well, and just like also like if i was i would want you to like shoot me like <laughs> if, I, if i was gonna be writing love letters to somebody who i was not already with and, like secret admirer i want you to put me out of my misery also i think the most yeah especially at 28 28 also, years this old book has um 
a fantasy character in it. A British person. They're not real. And her best friend was uh, British, so that also ruins it. the uh, <laughs> the realism, because British people aren't real. They were invented for Harry Potter. They literally... Literally, in this book, there's dialogue in where it? her best friend says, yeah. in it. I laughed so in- hard. I, I laughed what? so hard. I literally, I was, um, had to join Discord so I could tell my friend Peter, who's from England. I was like, Peter, they said, in it. In it, bro. Uh, yeah, I kind of hated that. Yeah. And then she said, bloody. I don't know why. I just didn't Bloody like hell. It. Bloody hell. Like, let's stereotype this down as much yeah. as possible. Uh, that also brings us into inclusion, which I wanted to talk about also. Not a whole lot of inclusion. To be fair, it is taking place in Napa, where there is already not a whole lot of people of color who live in Napa. Napa is very, very, very white with a very large population of wealthy people. Uh, to live in Napa, you need to be, I mean, houses go for, like, houses smaller than mine go for, like, $2 million. It is California, after all, but still. Um, but there was a really good part of inclusion in this book, and that is that Hallie is plus size. She's not skinny. She is described as having, like, a normal person body, where she does not weigh 110 pounds. She... She's no. got curves. Mid-sized, yeah. Yeah. if you will. So that was uh, a nice little turn of events because you definitely don't see people like that in Napa. But <laughs> yeah, that is the extent of the inclusion, though, in this book. There's really not a whole lot of mentionings. I, yeah. For some reason, I I don't think her best is her best friend. I white. honestly I pictured her and her husband both as like black, but I. That's but what I, I thought too, but I don't remember. I don't reading. think it mentioned anything in particular. I think I was just, I think their names played a role in like I know it's like stereotyping or whatever based off of their names, but. Uh, Lavinia and I think, Jerome. Is it Lavinia? I thought it was Lavina. I think it's how you say I it. Don't know. Lavina. Something like that. Uh, but her husband's name is Jerome. I, I somewhat recollect maybe reading at some point that she was like a light skinned woman. Maybe. I don't know. Moral of the story is it wasn't a big enough of a plot point for yeah. us to even remember. So the that sense of inclusion wasn't done well. And there, I mean, as a Bailey book, sometimes there's LGBTQ characters. There wasn't any in this one. There is one in um, My Killer Vacation, so like I'm not gonna harp on her for never including them. But yeah. there wasn't any in this one. Uh, so that leads to our final pillar, which is the smut. I gave it a two. I don't know. Okay, I t- because <laughs> first of all. Sometimes when I'm reading the smut, right, I like re- I will turn red. I'll think, oh my gosh, like this is so crazy. I can't believe I'm reading this right now. Um, I did not <laughs> when I was reading the smut in this book. I was pretty much thinking to myself the entire time, like, is it over yet? <laughs> is this done yet? I don't like this. I I kind of just want to skip over it. But what if they say something important? 
Yeah, I also gave it a two because, like, the encounters were kind of... They're so... They're so weird. There's... There's one... Towards the end, it's the latter scene. And I'm just... Whoa. something and I'm like... Maybe I wrote it down. Why? Why would you say that? Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's apparently has a little gardener. Yeah, he's got a gardener. But it was weird. And it weirded me out. And then that some of the phrases she was using to describe what was happening, I was like, there's no need to use that like analogy. Or uh, yeah. I was just like, we can what it doesn't need to be poetic. We know what we're reading here, okay? Like I don't know. It could have been um, better. It was not great. I didn't like it. I have a I can't wait to I have <laughs> I just read a line again that <laughs> I can't wait to share with you because it made me go, what the fuck? <laughs> um Okay. So overall, I gave this book well, Courtney, what did you give this book? Okay, we're not in like the habit of giving halves, but I feel so torn in between two numbers that I like I want to give it a three point five, um, because like it's not as bad as some of the other books that we've read. It's not great either. Like I don't want to give it a four, but I don't want to stoop to giving it a three. So I gave it a two. Yeah, <laughs> I really did not. I mean, like. <sighs> Like I said, I the what stopped me from giving it a, a one was I think the nostalgia that I felt about the setting of the story. But we gave didn't we give Love in the Time Serial Killers a three? Maybe. I liked this book more than I liked that I one. I don't like either of them. <laughs> um Well, obviously I did yeah. not like Love in the Time of Serial Killers, I but I don't dislike this one. I won't read it again. Yeah, but... I don't know. I just... I don't know what it was about this book. It was just hard for me to read. It was hard for me to finish. That's what mm. she said. Um, it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I heard it come out of my mouth and I just... I'm sorry. Um, I don't know... I'll read the other Tessa Bailey books that you like, but I hope to God that it's better than than this one because I just It's okay if we have different tastes. We've generally aligned on most of the books so far. There's bound to be some variation. And like we we had similar ratings on the pillars, but like I don't know. I just I like I didn't dislike this book. I, maybe not the best for like where I'm at at this point in my life right now. Like I would have preferred to read one that was life altering. Um, but I don't know. I'm also more like, I love rom com stuff. Um, cutesy, whatever. And then Maddie also likes to read murder mystery, which is funny based on like our demeanors. You'd think that it would be the other way around. Yeah. So Courtney and I, for, a while past the spoiler section, we've been doing fan casting, but I realized that 
we're not spoiling anything by doing fan casting. You know, we're not showing, I mean, like, obviously, we're reading romance books. They're all pretty plot forward. You know they're going to end up together. There's nothing, like, really whatever. Right. Um, so we're going to talk about fan casting and maybe talk about some fan art. I haven't seen any fan art yet, but I honestly have forgotten to look. So there's only one person I casted in this because I could not for the life of me picture what Julian looked like. Okay. I, however, have a casting for Hallie. Okay. And that casting is Florence Pugh. Oh, okay. I can see it. That's what I was thinking of the entire time. The way that she was described, you know, she's described as being curvy and Florence is curvy and she's the same age. Actually, Florence is a little bit younger, but um, she's like fits right into that category. So that is who I was thinking of this entire time was Florence Pugh. Okay. I, for some reason, and I, let me preface this by, I've seen very little of Pretty Little Liars, but in my head, I just imagined Allison De Laurentiis. I don't know why, um, and grant, take that with a grain of salt. Again, I haven't seen the show. You know you want to kiss me. So, um, just like physically, her face is what popped into my head. Uh, and then like, don't ask me why. I think it's because Julian's like anal retentive, but he's also supposed to be like bulkier and like tall and dark. I pictured him <laughs> as a combination of Spencer Reed and Aaron Hotchner <laughs> from Criminal Minds like morphed into one person. Who's the other one? What do you mean? Spencer Reed and who? Is it Hotchner? Aaron Hotchner? I've never seen Criminal Minds. I know oh, who Spencer oh, Reed oh, is, oh. though. He's like the head of the department. He's taller, darker, more physical. Oh. Uh, don't know why. Hmm couldn't explain it i think it's because like he's a professor and like he's very yeah like type a and so that made me think of like spencer reed but he's also like more manly than spencer reed is so and just in the same vein of logic i was like oh well he's in criminal minds so i'm just gonna morph these two together um but yeah it was really hard for me to picture someone else I don't know. That, and that's not even yeah. a real person. Top... It's a combination of two. So, Yeah. I I had a, such a hard time picturing him. Like, I tried really hard to, like, think, like, visioning, envisioning, nothing. Hmm. So, fan casting this week kind of weak. Yeah. Well, and... <laughs> But the only other person I could think of, and you're probably gonna laugh at this. So my freshman year of college, I was in honors English and my professor was like this handsome, uh, I don't know if he was super tall, but he had like darker features and he got fired. And I'm sure you can guess why. Was he having relations with a student? Mm, well, he had done that at the previous university he worked at. And I, so I don't know if he had done that at GCU or not, but they're a religious university. So they caught wind and they said, out of here. I don't know why, but like for some reason that popped into my head too. I don't even remember what his name was, but. Hmm. 
I don't even find, I don't find professors or like the professor thing to be super hot. I think it's gross. like, I, like I think yeah, it's like an abuse of power. Yeah. Um, I think about like the Ted Mosby's and the Ross Gellers and like, Ugh. I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird. Like people, like these students are coming to you to learn and they trust you. And there is, even if you're like, because in, in graduate school, like, I guess it's not as taboo, I would say, but like, it's still weird because there's a power dynamic discrepancy, even if you're in the same age range, like someone who has control yeah. over your education, over the outcome of your degree. And so like getting involved romantically just feels weird. That's a very big side note from yeah. this book. We're talking to you, Allie Hazelwood, author of The Love Hypothesis. <laughs> Which I have not read, but yeah. Which neither of us have read, but no. It's just weird. Student-teacher relationships, even in college, are still bad. Yeah, it's gross to me. Yeah. Okay, well, that concludes our spoiler-free section. We are going to be moving on into spoilers. So if you have not read the book yet, if you're not planning on reading the book, uh, or if you have not read the book yet and you want to read the book, get out of here. Be gone. Um, come back when you finish. But if you have read the book or you don't care, feel free to stay and listen to us talk about the book more in depth about spoilers. <laughs> Stuff. So... Did you do any page marking this week? I did a few page markings, but they were very <laughs> random. That's great. I have uh, two, four, six. I have ten okay. tabs, and three of them are just the smut. So there's, okay. I really only have seven things I want to talk about today. Uh, like I said, this book was just super, I don't know. There was something really wrong with this book in the pacing of it, I think. Mm because it just felt like things were happening too fast, but also too slow, uh, that things didn't really line up when you think they should line up. But I think my, my biggest criticism of this whole book is that she only writes two goddamn letters. She writes as the secret admirer. Technically, but that's like her confession. Yeah. You'd think it'd be a bigger plot point since the whole book is called yeah. Secretly Yours. <laughs> I know. It's like, I really expected there to be like every chapter from like his perspective. I guess it doesn't go by chapters, but every time it's his perspective, him reading the letter and then the letters playing like the letters didn't play the role that I think was trying to be conveyed, which is that it was like a serious thing. And like, it's yeah, it's creepy and weird, but he likes her. So it's not creepy and weird. Yeah. In like, I don't know, it just felt out of place for like how old they are. And I, so I read another book called uh, Dirty Letters by Penelope Douglas, where like the theme is pen pals, but they have like 30 letters going back and forth. So it makes more sense in that book. And I actually really like that book. And it was hard for me to move past the fact that there are only two in this one, because it just felt like comparatively, like that was supposed to be the whole gist. And it just was more of like an afterthought. I mean, like there's a confrontation at the end about it. But I the whole time that they were doing this, I'm like, why is this even a big deal? Like, he already told you he wants to bang your brains out. Why why are you scared to tell him yeah. you wrote him a letter that you where you were like, I admire your work ethic? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I think I really think that you're a great person. And when I watched you, you did nice things for people when nobody was watching. 
Yeah. So annoying. Well, and what frustrated me too is like, so she feels, she like, he feels guilty for like writing the secret admirer because he likes Haley and he's like, I don't like, it feels like a betrayal of trust. And then she is like, I can't believe he likes me, but he's writing back to this pen pal or this secret admirer. I was like, this is dumb. This is dumb conflict. Like, he feels guilty about it. She feels hurt about it. And literally, this all could have been avoided if she would have just fessed up. And it's not even that big of a thing to fess up. And I get that there has to be some sort of conflict. Usually, it's miscommunication in romance novels. But it just made me want to scream. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. Also, her name is Hallie. Hallie, sorry. Hallie, Haley. It's okay. You're not the only person who's done that because on Goodreads, I don't know, like, if they were listening to, like, an audio version or something, but they literally wrote, there's so many calling her Haley. Weird. It must have been the audio. It's Hallie, and the only reason why I know that is because it reminded me when I first read it of Hallie from The Parent Trap. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whose dad, I'm pretty sure they live in Napa and on a vineyard. (laughs) Huh. I think that's where they live. I haven't seen the parent trap in years, but um, that's yeah. Interesting. All right, where's your first tab? Oh, you know what? I actually had one more fan cast. Okay, go ahead. And that was for the mom, Julian's mom, Uh and it was the mom from you loves mom. Ah, okay. And I don't know if it's because she buys a a vineyard in Napa or if it's because (laughs) she just kind of gives me that same vibe yeah I can see that like a a little cold and detached but also like yeah somewhat free-spirited I suppose yeah and like the way that she talked to Natalie was kind of like how love's mom talks to love Mm -hmm. but then how she talks to how the mom talks to Julian it reminds me of how the mom acted with 40 so it yeah that's fair also side note because his name is Julian the little freaking lemurs from Julian King Julian (laughs) (laughs) the name Julian has been ruined for me forever because of Madagascar because of Mort (laughs) yeah Dude, Madagascar was such a good movie and a yes. great. The Penguins of Madagascar was an excellent TV show. I love the penguins. I love those little penguins. Anyhow, <laughs> um, my next tab is okay. That one's also a fan cast. But we already talked about that yeah. one. Uh, so the main the main uh element of this book is like the second chance lovers and the love letters are kind of like the main romantic tropes in here i don't feel like either of them were done particularly well i think that it's a second chance but like really only for hallie Mm -hmm. and the love letters like we already talked about don't play they play a role but they don't play this massive role that you would think they would play based off of the title of the book yeah Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, I part okay. There's a few parts that made me laugh, uh, and it was mostly when Julian was like describing Hallie, like because he's in wonder and awe like of her every time he sees her, but like she's so chaotic that like 
sometimes it just made me laugh. There's, okay, page 45. This is the beginning of chapter four. Super small part, but it literally made me laugh. It's talking about her pulling up and her dogs getting out of the car. And he goes, one dog started wolfing and his buddies joined in solidarity, announcing the entrance of their queen. Uh, and that made me giggle. I don't know why, but like the dogs were like my favorite characters in the book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually found some of the things that were said in this book to be rather cringe. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this, I don't know, was it like two weeks ago or something like that, about pop culture references ah. in books? There was a lot in this. A ton. A ton. And I just, not a fan of it. Uh, okay. Uh, page... Uh, 95, well, 94, 95. This is the first letter. And I wrote, this sounds like Hallie. How do you not just keep up with that? Oh, I know. (laughs) It sounds like her. And obviously his first thought is, was it Hallie? But then he's like, no, it couldn't be Hallie. It sounds like her. You've been hanging out with her all the time. And she said that she knew you. So like, yeah. I don't know who else would it be in this. Yeah. Um. Right before that, though, is when the, she's, she burgles the wine store next to her favorite wine store. Oh, right, the, right. And he shows up. And I don't know why, but, like, that whole thing just made me laugh. Like, that whole encounter. I'm, like, she's literally, like, harassing this business. And everyone's, like, oh, ha, ha. Like, <laughs> it's just because they moved in next door. I'm, like, this is erratic behavior. Yeah. Like, they should have called the police on her a while ago. Destroying property. Stealing cheese. Yes. (laughs) What an odd woman. Uh, uh, So odd. Um, Okay, then we have... Let's see. Oh my god, okay. Page 128 is describing him... Uh... (laughs) Uh, thinking about Hallie. Um, I hated this. I hated it so much. Ugh, yeah, it's kind of... Well, okay, here, throughout the whole book, he's like, I just want some of those Hallie smiles. And I was like, I don't know why I don't like that. I don't like it. Also, the, the first thing he ever says about her is about her boobs. Yeah. Like, they meet, and, like, he's, like, she, he, she's standing over him, and he's, like, at his desk or whatever, and he turns around, and her chest is there, and he just, like, is, like, I'm gonna marry her. The eyes are up here, pal. Yeah. Anyway, I really hated that. Gross. Her, him picturing it. I did not need to... Yeah. Uh, also, like... He, he, like, is trying to be respectful of Hallie when he's not turned on. But when he is, he's just, like, and he even, like, mentions that he just feels like a sexist, a sexist pig when he's, like, in, like, interested in her sexually. And it just comes off, like, I hated it. I hated it so much. It was just so. And it gets even worse. Because Hallie is a virgin and this 
part really grosses me out because I think that it personally, I don't find like virginity and things like that to be as sacred as like teen movies make it seem like it is. Yeah. Because everybody except for priests do it. Well, and it's like, it's really weird in the book too because he almost like covets that about her. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but like the value we're gonna get into a feminist rant here the value of a woman is not in her virginity or how many people she has chosen to let into her secret palace okay (laughs) and it kind of drives me nuts and this drives me nuts in general too like one i feel like purity culture is very much targeted at women and not men um but like i just think it's weird and almost like fetishy and gross that like I don't know. I can understand, like, not wanting to think about your partner being intimate with other people, but, like, to covet that, like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't decrease the value of a person if they are if they no longer have their virginity. I don't think that is the case. Yeah. And most people don't. She's also 28 in this book, and she's been, like, waiting for him. Yes! It's so weird. weird. She's been waiting for 15 years to have sex and with I him. I don't find that romantic. I just find it like No, weird. weird. Yes. Very odd. So, yeah. And also he took her virginity in the dirt outside while his sister was arguing with the hot marine. Yeah. Ex-marine. So that was weird too. Like, take her to a house somewhere. Yeah, even a car We're would not be even... better. We there's also yeah. a scene where they like they do. Th- it's hard to explain. There's like a scene on a countertop <laughs> in a kitchen. You know where um, you eat food, where you make food. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I just hated it. I just was like, icky, and not icky as in like, ew, so gross. Like, ugh, like it gave me a shiver down my spine. Icky. Yeah, honestly, we don't. I don't even feel like we need to go chronologically through this. The last sexual encounter they have in the book, I think, he she takes him to her secret garden, and no, it's I'm not. It's not a euphemism. It's her actual secret garden. Um, and he's like, get on your knees in the dirt and get him real dirty for me. <laughs> I was freaking dying. Hold on, there's a line. What kind of finish says, is that? Can I? <laughs> I have to, I'm going to have to like censor this out, but I'm going to, I'm about to read Courtney a line and then we'll see her reaction. <laughs> Why did he say that? Gorilla grip. this thing gripped me i'm picturing like an alien like squeezing (laughs) yeah i wrote what gripped (laughs) honestly i'll take one to make me laugh over freaking cow any day but like yeah yeah the, the whole get on your knees in the dirt thing was just like it's not even like you know like get on your knees uh it's like no i want you to have dirt 
on your knees. Like that gets me horny. Yeah. Weird. She he she literally said to him like, "Do you have a fetish for gardeners or like something like that?" And he's like, "I've been watching you plant all these flowers." And I'm like, "I'm sure there's euphemisms littered there." Yeah, <laughs> seeds. You know. Mm. Yeah. Don't they describe in purity culture like your virginity as a flower? Yes. Yes. Um, and she's a gardener. Tell me if you've ever seen a man wear a purity ring. Mm. The Jonas Brothers. Okay. <laughs> In real life, have you encountered... Because I've encountered women who have... The Jonas Brothers! Okay. Have, yes, but, like, no, people you meet in your everyday life, not, like... I mean, I guess they, they matter because they're pop culture people. Nick Jonas also has diabetes, side note. Um, I was just about to say that, too. He gave me a guitar pick because he saw my insulin pick, or my insulin pump at a concert. And then my mom lost You kind it. of had his purity ring at, that night? When I was 11? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. This anyway. is an episode of South Park about that. Pardon my <laughs> sidetrack down the purity culture route. But yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Weird sexual encounters. Yeah, and then there's another line when he, like, he goes, tell me we're fucking tonight, Hallie. What a mood killer. Yeah. Like, we're just trying to have a good time. And he's like, before we get too far into this, let me confirm that I'm getting it. You know? And then, like, he takes her virginity outside. Right? Don't like that. In the, like, uh, then he, like, finds out that she's a virgin because he can feel it, apparently. That's not a thing. Why do people think that's a thing? (laughs) At 28 years old, Mm -hmm. you're telling me nothing's been up there? (laughs) I don't believe you, and I also... So I know, have, no, we're not going to go down that route. It's too gross. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> women use tampons. Come on. Well, Some yeah. Some of them are big. I, yeah. It's just... I really did not like... I think that's probably why I gave it such a low rating. It's because I just really hated the way that it approached, like, virginity. It was a little odd, yeah. And I was just not expecting that. And, yeah, I don't, I, okay, so at the end, like, she goes to retrieve her confession letter because she wants to tell him in person. She does it in the middle of the night while he's staying at her house, knowing that he has anxiety and knowing that a trigger is, like, people he loves being in danger. He wakes up while she's gone, goes full panic mode. He's not even mad about the letter. He didn't give a shit that it was her. He thought it was her the whole time, kind of, secretly. Um... But he goes into this panic spiral, shuts himself in his room for two weeks, doesn't talk to her. And then he comes out of his room and his sister's like, oh, hey, it's been two weeks. And he's like, what? You're telling me this man who, like, and I get it, like, he goes numb, whatever, but, like, he's so regimented. Like, he's looking at his wristwatch every five seconds throughout the book. And I get that, like, anxiety can make you shut down, but, like, 
for two weeks and his sister was just like yeah whatever knowing that his girlfriend is in like full panic mode like i don't know i understand giving people space and whatever but like call the therapist get someone involved as his family members like he's Mm -hmm. destroying his relationship because of this anxiety and his girlfriend thinks he hates him and you as his sister know that so like why aren't you doing more to i don't know no offense, but yeah. talking to your significant other for, like, I don't know. Like, it was just weird. Yeah. I just, it was very odd. Like, I felt like he says that he needed to, let's see. After all that stuff happens, right, he says, that's why, so, like, he, he reunites with Hallie. And he says, that's why I've been trying so hard to stay away from you. Anything that threatens this control I have, I've been seeing it as the enemy. At what point in time in this book was he trying to avoid her? Never. No. I mean, he said he did things, like, subconsciously, like, getting up and following her around without really, like, thinking about it. But, like, that's not, like, actively trying to avoid her. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't really have much more to say about this book, do you? No, just that I'm hopeful that the next one will be good. I have a feeling, a gut feeling, that it'll be one of the ones that I like. And sometimes with these duo books, like like I said, with the um, Hook, Line, and Sinker and it happened one summer like I really liked it happened one summer and I did not like hook line sinker at all so like I'm hoping it's that but the the inverse for this series and I like the next one I'll give it a shot I'll read it like I generally like Tessa Bailey as an author so I'll buy her books but yeah well then I guess that is the end of secretly yours by Tessa Bailey sayonara Sayonara, Tessa. See you, uh... Later. I don't know. Maybe. Later. The summer, I guess. Uh, okay. Well, Courtney, any final thoughts? Mm. Not her best work. Still a Tessa Bailey fan. As opposed to... You know what? I'll take her stuff over She Who Shall Not Be Named any day of the week. Yep. So. Speaking of... Speaking of, uh, my sister, mm. I'm so disappointed in her. I know. She has chosen to purchase books of our literary arch nemesis. Yes. Um, I went, I think I told you when I was flying to Phoenix last week that there was an entire section of one of the shops that was just dedicated to her books. I don't understand the chokehold it has. You people need help. I don't get it either. I can hear. Uh, are you snoring. reading anything uh, for funsies? I'm still trying to finish the Runaway Groomsman. It's it's a bigger book. It's a little thick, but um, you know, I read a couple of chapters in between the books that we have for the podcast, so that one's coming along. I don't know what the next one's going to be. It might be Stolen Air by Holly Black, just because I loved the Cruel Prince series, and so I want to see where she's taking 
um, this book in particular. But I also really like Megan Quinn, who's the author of Runaway Groomsman, and I bought two of her other books, so I might crack one of those open. But I don't know. I just really love feel-good romances, and with some of the books that we read on the podcast, it's hit or miss. So I've been trying to find more reliable ones to read in my free time just so that I'm still getting that fulfillment. How about gotcha. you? Um, I am about halfway through East of Eden. I've got some tabs, some notes in here. Uh, I actually really love this book. Okay. It's really good. I listen, sometimes these classic books, they're like, you gotta read 1984. It's so good. That's me doing a transatlantic accent, if you can tell. <laughs> um it in really that book good. sucks. I hate I hated nineteen eighty four. I thought it was like one of the worst books. Yeah, so just... I actually am really enjoying this one. I also really do like John Steinbeck. Like I really liked reading um, of Mice and Men in high school. Oh, so phenomenal book. So yeah, good. And like the Pearl and some of his other shorter works, I have really enjoyed. So this is my first longer book by him that I've read. I'll probably read Grapes of Wrath afterwards. Not like directly afterwards, but I'll probably read that book also. But like I said, halfway through. Really enjoying this one. I can't wait to do a little like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube review for this because I think that people who are like religious or like not super religious, but definitely believe in like a God or like Jesus and stuff like that. Like this is probably a mostly if you're like into Old Testament sort of stories, this is this is a good one. Mm. Um, Old Testament's my favorite place to jam. I like the Old Testament because I like the Old Testament is the ultimate dark book. Uh, yeah, there's some crazy stuff that happens in there, but I also I don't know, like from a theological discussion standpoint, like I love talking about people's theories on Genesis and stuff. Um, I personally am a theistic evolutionist, so I believe it's uh, more poetic than an actual description of the creation story, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a story of Moses. There's a, there's all kinds of crazy crap that happens yeah. in the Old Testament. So it, I also enjoy it. But yeah, I'll I'll have to read that one at some point too. But it's a that's a big mama. Yeah, from a liter like I really enjoy reading the Bible from a literary standpoint, like taking them as just stories because I think that, I mean, this is getting a little off topic and a little into like the debate of you know, religion and whatever, but, like, I feel like, from my perspective, that it's not literal, it's, like, a story. There, I think that it's kind of, like, it's kind of, like, uh, Fire and Blood, where it's, like, a historical reaccount of, like, what happened, but there's also story involved with it. I can agree with that, and, like, I, I believe, well, I believe the story of, like, Jesus and, um, of redemption just personally but like a lot of the old testament stories i mean it if you look at some of the way that the actual literature is structured i probably shouldn't refer to the bible as literature but um a lot of it is actually more akin to like poetry as opposed to like a, an, okay. a, an historical recounting of something especially um, so like the psalms and stuff Oh, yeah. And you, gotta, the, you just got to um, take that with a grain of salt. Do you know how many times the Bible wisdoms. has been interpreted? 
from Hebrew and and there's so many different versions like and I personally I believe the problem with religion is when man gets his hands on it so you have to be careful with what you're consuming from a religious standpoint and how much you believe that in a literal sense I'm very much a person who uh, believes deeply in like the guidance of the Holy Spirit and your conscience as a human being is like a gift from God so I don't take the the words of the Bible in an entirely literal sense um, for those reasons but yeah I feel like we could have a, a really long discussion about this maybe Theology. a future extra episode we'll do a theological right. discussion about different stories in the Bible I'm down with that. I've also read the Bhagavad Gita, which is yeah. I have too. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm not like well. I said. Like I'm not particularly religious. I was raised in a religion, but I'm not associated with that religion anymore. So like I come from like a religious background, but my religious beliefs are whatever I feel like believing in. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like. I don't know. I think that could be an interesting discussion to have. Uh, neither of us are philosophy experts by any means, um, but I do have a master's degree in political science. So, <laughs> yes, and I am a yeah. law student, so there has to be some level of critical thinking. <laughs> yeah, we have some involved. critical thinking in our minds. Um, and uh, Maddie and I have a rich literary history, I would suppose, with. Um, particularly in high school with our English teacher, to be honest. Yeah. Our English teacher was great. You'll hear us talk about her forever because yeah. I had her for three years. The only year I didn't have her was my sophomore year. She was she was tough, but she a uh, phenomenal person. Um, she introduced us to concepts of feminism at a really mm -hmm. young age, but not super overwhelmingly and she made us both phenomenal writers and readers so yeah that yeah I, we probably wouldn't be here today without her so nope uh and on that note next week we will be reading the wedding crasher no we're reading the oh. wedding crasher <laughs> i was about to do the same thing because i also got the book out but i realized next week we're doing the wedding crasher <laughs> so next Cordy and I next week, like the next literal week for us, we will actually be reading Daisy Jones and the Six. But next week when you are watching the next episode, it is The Wedding Crasher. So that is by Mia Sosa. We, re we recorded the episode for it last week when we were together in person. So we'll be together in that episode. Um, one of our shorter episodes, I've already edited it. Everything's already done for it, but it's, I'm excited for you all to see that one. I loved, I. When we're together in person, it's like everything just seems so right. <laughs> it is. All is right in the world. And for reference to Maddie and I, we were going to a literal wedding right after we finished reviewing that book. So we were, one, in a bit of a time crunch, but also it was just funny timing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that one was fun. And we had a great time at the wedding. Oh. They had yeah, an we, open There bar. was mariachi mariachi yes. come on uh it was so 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 fun uh the food was delectable which is rare so for weddings good yeah uh the, i mean like the dinner the desserts we danced probably for like four or five hours non-stop yeah. i was sore for two days afterwards 
That's how much we danced. Uh, but yeah, it was a crap toad of a crap ton of fun. <laughs> crap toad. Wow. Uh yeah. it was a lot of fun and we'll be back together again in person here in what three weeks? Uh from the time that they're watching this episode, yeah. Because this episode comes out on Monday. Let me see. So I gotta do a little four weeks. I think. One, two. No, not oh, even. No, no. Two weeks. Two and a half. Two yeah. and a half weeks. Two so. and a half weeks. And we have a couple of fun things planned. We're planning on doing um, not just like an episode, like how we usually would do our podcasts, but we're also planning on having some extra little bonus episodes, some bonus stuff coming out. So that's right. That's it for this week, though. Yeah. So I'm done. I'm done. All right. Yeah. Thank you done. all. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much for watching. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are watching on YouTube, please give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing if you made it this far into the video. Um, if you are listening to our audio version on Spotify or Apple, hey, what's up? I hope it's going well. Um, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, if you care to, please leave us a little review. And Follow yeah. us on TikTok and Instagram at the Woody Banter Book Club. Thanks so much, guys. Happy reading! <laughs>